You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moonlights, Welcome out there, Virginia fans, to the off-season edition of the Hard Hedge. We're thrilled to have you with us. Uh, we had to have a little bit of a, a morning period there before we dive back into this. Uh, so uh, we're going to try to focus tonight on, on, on the future and a lot of the fo- positives. And, and we'll touch on what, what ultimately was uh, an amazing season last year, all things considered. Uh, we got the whole panel here with us. Let's start with my partner in crime. Uh, Mr. Phony Bennett. Phony, how you doing, pal? Uh, I'm smiling again, and uh, I didn't think that was ever going to happen again after the Syracuse game, so that's progress. Yep, that's, that's I feel your pain. Uh, Daniel O'Neill is also, also with with us at Embrace the Pace. What's up, buddy? I'm not so much ready to be back in uh, talking basketball once again. Yep, thrilled to have you. Charlie Saul Walser at University Ball. What's up, Chuck? Good evening, guys. It's good to be good to be back at it. Thrilled to have you with us again, pal. And you know, we uh, it's you know we're we're trying to gather ourselves a, a little bit, or, or we did over the last few weeks. And uh, you know, we want to try to focus on, on the future in this episode. But I guess we got to at least touch on uh, how things ended a little bit. And Phony, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, you know, let, let's do the Cliff Notes version of just you know what exactly happened. Um, and you know what maybe we could have done differently uh to have extended the season a little bit longer oh man man they, it was it was painful we had that game i mean i i that game was clearly there was a point about 10 minutes left i guess that uh we looked to be in control and then as soon as cues started pressing things fell apart and i put this on the coaches as much as i do the players that somebody needed to take control and we, we would break the pet press and then miss and they were point blank shots they were shots we should have made but uh, there's a certain point someone's got to say hey pull that out let's you know let, let's shorten this game up and maybe just try to stop their momentum a little bit sooner I mean I, I a lot had to go right for Syracuse to win that and a lot had to go wrong for us to lose it and and uh, clearly it all happened but I'm sure there will be a lot of time spent in the offseason working through all this by uh, by the coaches by the players that are coming back so I, I don't think we'll see a uh, repeat of that whatever it was but uh man that, that was really tough to swallow daniel how did it happen well that's i mean that's a, uh, a complicated question to answer i don't think there really is a single answer of how it happened it's just a lot of different things sort of snowballed and i mean shots didn't fall they hit everything they got the energy and um there were some some interesting calls throughout that game, and I think, definitely, I mean, like, not even close to blaming the refs at all. We blew an enormous lead. That's that's all on us. But um, I think it was just sort of a like it had a weird feeling even when we were winning. I remember remember saying like something like wow, like wow, like we imagine if we were actually playing well, how much we'd be beating them by because we didn't seem to be really all that that sharp. Um, I think. London being on fire kind of hid a lot of the some of the the warts that were kind of showing during that game. Um, but but still, I mean, you 
that's not the first time we've had a game like that, but you still expect to win when you're up by like something like 15 points with nine minutes left um, against a team that just isn't as good as you. And I mean, and, and it's one of those things that like, yeah, we're talking about it now and we could talk about it forever. Um, but it, I mean, it's, it's always, it's going to be one of those things that like, once you start talking about it, you, it's like the wheels start turning in your head and you start thinking about like what could have been just, it's, it'll frustrate us for a while, but uh, I guess the theme of this podcast, I'm assuming, is going to be, like, it's not the end of the world. We're not, like, we're not starting from scratch here. We're, we've got something built, and um, next year will be fun as well. And so, I don't know, it's, it's just fun. It's even the things in immediately following the laws, because I hopped in a car. I was, I was at my family's uh, place out on... Long Island, I was driving back to Connecticut that night, and so basically I just immediately hopped back in the car, and once I got home, then I started looking at Twitter and stuff, and it was, it was really nice to see, like, like I saw Tony Bennett trending on Twitter, and I was like, oh God, people are probably ripping him apart, but I mean, I'm sure there were plenty of people doing that, but when you, you clicked on that Tony Bennett link, most of it was just like, the words he said afterwards, and it's like, wow, like, I don't know, that's that's what it's all about, and that's why we like this program. So I mean, it's as long as you have, kind of have that attitude, then you can kind of deal with talking about and thinking about this loss. But it'll always be tough, obviously. Yeah, there was there was a little bit of discussion. I, I will I will uh, 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 prove Daniel's point here. Uh, we were, we were in the text message. I remember at halftime, our group text was. You know, not not looking ahead, but there's a little bit of conversation about our next episode and how we were going to preview the Final Four, uh, and it was at halftime. And Daniel, I remember you texting at that point. You were like, "Guys, we're not we're not playing well enough to even have this conversation yet," uh, because it, it was a lot of fool's gold there in that first half with Lon- with London specifically. And that's and- not that's not even me. Like I'm used I'm like like some people might just like literally. I, I have I have some some friends that would just like literally. No matter the situation, we could be playing amazingly and would still, like, guys are not there yet. But, like, had it been, like, the, had we been playing like we were against Iowa State, I'd be right there with you. I was like, all right, like, let me, let me get my ticket to Houston, like, stuff like that. But it, it really was, like, a weird game. And I it just, like, I, I remember, like, using the phrase, like, a house of cards. It was, it was, it didn't feel all that stable. Even if we were up by 15, it was just a little uneasy. So, um, Charlie. When you broke it down, buddy, what did you see? I just saw, I mean, when Syracuse put the press on, it felt like we just got away from what makes Virginia basketball what it is on the court. I mean, we got, I feel like maybe as great as we were against the press that Iowa State put on, I feel like maybe we were a little overconfident in our ability to break it down and score because, I mean, Syracuse has better on-ball defenders than Iowa State does. And even when we had numbers, it felt like we were just sped up trying to force these shots, trying to replicate what we did late against Iowa State. And so we were out of place on offense. And then numbers on one end, Syracuse got back up the court pretty quickly. And we weren't necessarily in the best position to contest. And I feel like from there, it just spiraled. And I mean, there's let it be known, there's no doubt. I'm sure our coaching staff tried to get the message across to slow this down and get back to looking like Virginia basketball. I'm not saying they didn't, but I feel like the fact that it kept playing out the way it did means that maybe they needed to reinforce that a little bit more than they did. 
yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this just it got out of hand, and by the time by the time we tried to turn around and rally, it was too late. Like it was like being passed by a train. That's 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 a, a great way to put it. And you know, I there was a there was one particular possession in the middle of all, all of it where, you know, I'm screaming at the TV for, for somebody to just pull the ball pull the ball out. There, there's no need to run out right now. And Malcolm gets it on uh, one of the lobs that London threw. Um, and he gets it, you know, with a head of steam. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, you know, Malcolm's going to stop. He's going to settle in. We're going to try to work for a shot here, even though we weren't too successful at that for most of the game. But I was like, Malcolm, of all people, is, is going to calm us down right here. Uh, he ran straight in, tried to score on two people, got blocked. They went down the other end, and, and Richardson hit a three. At that moment, I was like, you know, yeah, wow. Huge. I'm like, there's something, like, these guys are completely out of their game right now. And I, I think the fact that we were struggling a bit against the zone uh, altogether, struggling to get really good quality looks consistently, I think that played into it. Um, I do believe that our coaching staff uh, probably should have done a little bit more because I've I've watched the tape. Uh, I not understanding why even the coaches are so calmly not telling our guys to slow down or, or you know I I'm not trying to question Tony by any means the wrecked a statue of that guy right now but uh, you know I, I the whole thing was just it's just like everyone from the, the the players to the coaches everyone was stuck on the track watching a, a, a freight train go by and. You know, Tony, Tony's approach. Sorry, Mike, if I cut you ahead. off. But Tony's approach almost reminded me of what I mean. I've grown up a Bulls fan. I've been a Chicago Bulls fan my whole life. It reminded me almost of what Phil Jackson used to do, and that he would just trust his guys to play their way out of it. Except Phil was doing that in an eighty-two game regular season or a best of seven. Like there were just, I feel, I feel like there wasn't, there wasn't, there wasn't time to let these guys play their way out of it. Yeah, you see some of the great coaches do that, too. I mean, some of them, uh, Roy Williams certainly, I, I think, does it too much. But I've seen Coach K do it to great effect. And, you know, sometimes the guys are able to play themselves out. And, I mean, that's that's kind of where you get tested. Maybe we have to be there. I mean, this is, you know, Tony said you got to learn to lose first. And this is as far as they've gotten. And they, they, you know, couldn't get to the next step this time. But hopefully with the coaching staff, the guys coming back, learned enough that they can make that next step. Yeah, and, and honestly, I, I tend to agree with the sort of let them play approach. I mean, obviously, like, in hindsight, maybe a, a perfectly timed timeout would have been beneficial, but I liked, I don't know, it's, I did, one thing I will say is that I liked how, like, obviously everything went to hell, but it's, for me, it's much more frustrating when you, like, I feel like in the past we've been vulnerable to, giving up leads by just, like, trying to dribble the air out of the ball and basically just, like, really playing, like, very stereotypical in a bad way Virginia basketball and really just, like, trying to wind out the clock. I liked, I liked that we were a bit aggressive and, and said, I mean, at least early on, um, we were like, okay, we can beat this press, we're going to beat the score. I al I'm like always okay with that, like especially with the way Syracuse was playing in half court defensively. Their zone was really on another level, and we were not executing at all. Like 
I really can't even remember how many well-executed sets against the zone we had, other than just, like, giving London the ball at the top of the key and just saying, hey, shoot it. Um, I, man, I, I, Daniel, I just, I, I agree. I agree initially. I do. I, I disagree that, that this team, I, you know, in recent history, this team has done an awful lot of winning, and we've done it by playing our game, by when we have a lead, by milking that clock a little bit, running our offense, exhausting the defense for the you know on both sides of the ball, and doing what we do that we have yeah. we we we've shaken that ability to let games go, you know to let leads go in the last two se- two or three seasons two seasons specifically, and it's because of the way that we've played around that eight minute mark in second halves. Man, we've been methodical. Yeah. I just I you know, know I, I agree. And I was gonna say like. I thought that way, like, initially for, like, the, like, maybe the initial part of, of where, because, like, I feel like there were almost, like, two stages of our, our little co- collapse there where it was, like, oh, crap, like, this is, this game's getting close, and then, and then the second stage, it was, like, wow, we're, like, we just lost. Like, I think in that interim period, then that would have been a time to really, like, buckle down. We, I really don't think there was, there was no time where we, cause, because I, I do agree, I think, we should have at some point said, all right, like we gotta, we gotta really focus. And, and I mean, maybe that's where, that's where we needed the timeout, but we got to focus and like really just like take care of the ball. And I mean, by that point there were only a few minutes left in the game. So, so time wise, it wouldn't like, I don't know. Cause what it was the nine minute mark was when it really started. And then I think there was one moment where I forget what what the score differential was, but there was we we made what was it like a twenty five to four run? It was like one of those buckets where it was like okay, we've got some momentum, like and then we just we kept sort of playing crazy. And I think that that point, I agree with you. Like that's when we should have really reined it back and and said okay, let's take care of the ball and let's uh, enough of this. But um, so yeah, I, I mean, didn't I didn't even need a timeout. I like I, I, I just some just Tony Jason somebody stand up and say do not run out the next time you get the ball get it across midcourt and set up your offense that's yeah. all I'm looking for you don't you don't even need to call timeout just you know make it clear to the team that it's time to stop playing into exactly what they're they're wanting us to do at this exact stretch of the game with the momentum being where it is with the crowd being where it is with everything that's happening in front of our eyes, let's get the ball across midcourt. Let's try to attack the zone. Yes, we, I mean, we, we, we were, like, we couldn't get the, any pass into the middle to Isaiah or anyone. It was, like, the most difficult pass in the history of basketball. Uh, we were fumbling around. We were nervous against that zone. And that's what their zone is designed to do. It was a, that, you know, their press, their zone leading to that press, everything that they did right there, they're, they're good at. But I... I don't care if it was a senior leader that was on the floor. I don't care if it was a coach that was on the sideline. I don't care who it was. Somebody needed to step up and say, you know, let's slow this down. But, you know, anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, What Tony said after the game, I agree. Like, I, you know, could he have spoken, you know, said anything better to us as fans, to to the media that, that spoke to us about, you know what we what really matters about this program and where we are and and with that being said i I guess we can go ahead and transition 
uh, and talk a little bit about what comes next. I mean, it was, look, all things considered, we had not been in the Elite Eight since 1995. Uh, it was another number one overall seed and the number one national seed in the NCAA tournament. It was another outstanding, flat-out, unbelievable year for Virginia basketball, and we are primed to just keep it rolling. And, and Charlie, I'll start with you on this topic. Um, you know, where do you think next year's team fits in comparatively? Like, is what's different about next year's team that means it's, it's not going to make the same, same mistake late in the year in this tournament? Or what is better, you know, what will this team be better at or what will this year's team be better at uh, compared to last year's team? Wow. Um, I think, I mean, it's going to be a complete, it's basically going to be a complete reboot of Virginia basketball. A lot of the supporting guys from these past few years are still around, but they're going to be in much more prominent places. Um, I think, again, I think it's going to be, it's going to be different in that I think we're going to be perhaps a more versatile, more athletic, more unpredictable team than we've seen in recent years, just because of like, the extent to which we're changing personnel. I mean, it's been pretty easy to feel like we're going to be running a lot through Malcolm or a lot through Gill. And with those guys gone and taking with, I mean, with combining with Toby and Nolte to take three fifths of our points, it's going to be interesting to see where exactly we go for offense next year. And I think it's going to be, we're going to, I think we're going to see more of London Parentes off the ball because we're going to need we're going to need him for perimeter scoring and it's going to be interesting Austin Nichols jumping in to the big man role is going to be playing he's kind of a different big than we've seen like a non-center sized back to the basket type than we've seen in a while and I think I think his scoring and will kind of provide us something interesting that we haven't seen in a little bit Daniel I know you've uh, I know you've put a lot of uh, time into watching the incoming guys. Uh, what do you think is a really the dynamic that stands out for you with this group? Um, I mean, just overall, if you study, including Mamadi and, and Austin into that group, it's just, I, I really don't think we've brought in as much just pure, like, I, I tweeted this a couple weeks ago, um, or last week or two weeks ago, or something like that, that but just like the amount of skill we're bringing in is kind of crazy, um, and, and I'm not sure if like people really understood what I meant by that. But just like guys that are very, very or that are, you don't talk about them in terms of oh wow that that guy is going to be this good in in whatever years that guy has a lot of like raw talent and going to develop into whatever player, but. A lot of guys that are that I, I can I'm confident in saying they're they have like college level abilities whether it's shooting, um, whether it's defending, rebounding, things like that, already. And and whether that means they're going to play as a freshman or, or not, I, I don't know. But um, but yeah. Um, well, phony, uh, chime in, but like what uh, you know, every year. You, this is college basketball. You're, you're going to lose players. You're, you're going to gain players. Uh, but these guys, this is, quite frankly, possibly the best recruiting class 
in the history of the school, especially if you consider the transfers that are becoming eligible. Uh, what is your level of expectation from the new guys? When you break it down, I'm not sure how many minutes each of them are going to get. I mean, I, I, I think Kyle Guy is going to get significant minutes. There's a good chance Ty Jerome ends up redshirting. We've expected Huff to redshirt from the beginning. Uh, Hunter, I think, is going to get real minutes. He's, he's a real wild card because he's a, a lot better than I think a lot of folks realized uh, when we got him. And then Diakite, I, I really have no idea what to expect from him because people have to remember he's been playing basketball for five years. And so while he is a very gifted athlete and has very um, – athleticism comes very naturally to him, I, I, you don't know what to expect from him on, on a college basketball level and, and how quickly he's going to be able to catch up to that. So – that said, I, I think the guys that are graduating, I, I looked, the highest ranked guy was in the 70s, I think, coming out of high school. This class, the lowest ranked guy is in the low 80s. And, and so you, you're replacing one group of, at least on the rankings, talent with, with elite guys. And this is Tony's first chance to show what he can do with elite talent. I don't think this is the year that we necessarily see all of that, just because of when you, when you start looking at red shirts and whatnot and, and the talent that we have coming back. We may not be using it as much, but uh, this is a class you can get awfully excited about. And, and I think, you know, what people keep saying next year, we're going to uh, reload, not rebuild. Yeah, we're not starting over. The the LP and Devin backcourt is something we saw a lot this year. LP had a better shooting percentage than Devin anyway. So, and, and you saw Devin bring the ball up a lot. I, I like that. And, and we can get right back into that. So the bigs are really going to be interesting. I think Isaiah is going to be a lock. And then Austin Nichols is the other one that that we're all expecting to see, and he's a legitimate shot blocker, just the kind of guy that we haven't had there. He doesn't have a lot of range yet, but defensively, I think he's going to be huge, and, and maybe that one key that we just didn't have this year is that rim protector. So expectations-wise, you know, we'll see how the summer goes and, and all that, but there's um, reason to believe that the ceiling is going to be just as high next year as it was this year. But we we got to get those new pieces integrated, and, and I think you you might see some stumbles early on. Yeah, I kind of I'm tempering expectations like to the point that even with adding all of this talent, I feel like for a lot of these guys, the game is going to be faster and more difficult physically than it's ever been before. Even if they find minutes, like I feel like for us to maintain the ceiling that we set this year, the key is going to be more on guys like Devin, like Mariel Shayok, like Isaiah making the leap. That like a similar one to what London did, to more mature, more aware, like just making that that leap from contributor into somebody that you can depend on night in, night out. I don't know, even with as good as these guys are, I don't know if it's fair to pin all of our expectations for next season on them because like yeah, I don't know. The game college basketball can be a tricky thing to adapt to, even coming from the higher levels of high school. And I feel like I don't know, I don't know. I'm tempering my expectations for next season just because it's it may not be a rebuild but it's a reboot yeah and and i mean it's just it's hard knowing knowing what we had with like the brogdon the gill like all of that that was kind of it was a known commodity for years next year is wide open and i feel like that could like you mentioned phony there could be some stumbles we're probably going to beat some people we don't think we're going to it's going to be a I think it's going to be a wild year. It's going to be fun. And I feel like probably by February or March, things will come together. The reason I really like next year's team, and, and I'm not like trying to compare it to this past year's team or, or any of our, our teams recently, but and, and I, I don't know. I still don't even know what 
my expectation for next year's team, what my expectations really are. But the reason I, I like it and why I'm optimistic and I, I'm not really expecting, I'm not really like tempering my expectations yet, just yet or anything is because sort of what you guys have, have touched on is that, I mean, while we, we all like to talk about this, this new like batch of talent we're getting in with both the, the freshmen and the, and the transfer and Austin Nichols as well as Richard Mamani, uh, Dihite, but like even if you just like literally just take them minus, if you just take all of the non-Austin Nichols newcomers out of the equation and look at what we have coming back, we still have a lot coming back anyways. Like guys like Devin, Marielle, Darius, and Isaiah are like obviously like statistically it's like oh like Virginia's not returning a lot of scoring or whatever, but. I would say all of those guys are in that position where you'd expect them, maybe not expect, but you start talking about that lead that Charlie mentioned. Like that's something that has happened with more often than not with our players under Tony Bennett and the staff is that year two to three, year three to four depends on each player, but there has been a leap um, and there has been player development. It's pretty. It's been a pretty consistent theme. Um, I think it's more likely than not that, that that the at least some of those guys at least two of those four three of those four have that sort of leap and so even if you just take out the the new guys we're getting i, I think it's it's already a, a very solid respectable team and then then you add in the new talent we're bringing in and really take the pressure off of them until i mean the kyle guy right now on his high school team has to do literally everyone everything for them you put him around some other talent and say, hey, we just need you to make some open shots. That's, that's all we need you to do. Tell Mamadi, hey, we just need you to grab some rebounds, be aggressive on defense, and put back some dunks. You tell those guys to really, like, you take the pressure off of them and just let them sort of contribute, and that's what I think really makes this team scary is that we have a lot of, a lot of guys that can contribute and that I expect to contribute on top of some good experience, and then I think the what makes teams great is having those those upper echelon players, and I think we have two of them, and, and London Parentes and Austin Nichols. So I think there's there's just a versatility and like diversity of the types of talent and experience that we have. That I just think that when we look towards middle of ACC play, towards the rest of next season, I think it'll it'll really start to get come together, and we'll have a really nice a really nice roster to, to work with, with a lot of different options. Um, that's, I, I don't know, it's, it's very, uh, like we've said, it's very different from what we had in the past where you kind of, you kind of know where, you kind of know that we're going to be Malcolm Brogdon, Anthony Gill, Mike Toby, Lona Prentice, but um, I don't know. We're, we're definitely going to be more unpredictable, but I think that could be in, in a very good way as well. I think we're returning six guys with multiple starts. Is that, is that correct? Um, I mean, that's that's pretty good experience. I mean, we've got uh, LP, Devin, Mario, Darius, Isaiah, and Jack. Um, I mean, that's, you know, so it's not exactly like we're starting over. You know, that, that that's not the worst uh, five to put out there in the first place. So, you know, we, we can get started. It's going to be integrating that, that talent. You've seen some of Tony's teams kind of struggle in past years trying to get the new pieces integrated. So uh, that, that's going to be what will be interesting and, and not always pleasant to watch early on yeah i mean like in with the 2012 class which was i guess 
a good comparison in terms of we're bringing in numbers and pretty highly rated guys, even though these guys are more highly rated than, than that class was. Um, it's still a different situation, obviously very different situation because our program wasn't what it is now, but like, I think I was at that George Mason game when I'm pretty sure Taylor Barnett, Justin Anderson, and Mike Toby all started their first college game. Like, that's, like, we talk about like relying on the freshmen too heavily. Like, they're going to be in a like a contribution type role versus we're not we're not really saying hey freshmen you guys are you're going to determine our season. And that's that's what I really like is not only the level of talent but the situation they're going to be put into. They're going to be put on a pretty experienced roster, and I think they're going to be put into a good like comfortable position to contribute and succeed in, in terms versus like making them go out and do everything, which is kind of what they used to in the high school career. No, that's a really good point, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, guys, I'm, I'm, you know, I agree with essentially everything you guys are saying. My, my big thing is, is Hall, Thompson, or Shayok. Um, this Virginia team really, you know, has to replace a guy that just went on one of the most epic runs in, in Virginia basketball history, if not the most epic outside of Ralph, I guess, late in the uh, season there. He's a, you know, ACC player of the year, first team, uh, All-American. You know, it's, to me, the freshmen that are coming in, they, they've got a bunch of talent, but they have a level of an adjustment, especially defensively, that is going to mean their, lim- their, their minutes are going to be somewhat limited no matter what, you know, no matter how good they are offensively, that means one of those three guys or all of those three guys, uh, which I, I agree, it's more like, you know, everyone's going to have to elevate their game to a certain degree. But when it comes, you know, what's in this, uh, we're in the second half of a game and we're struggling in our offense a little bit and somebody just needs to get the ball in their hands and, and get to the free throw line or, or make a bucket and get us out of a funk, you know, who's going to be that guy? Because I think we, we kind of got a little spoiled with Malcolm there and just kind of, um, you know, everybody can ele- ele- elevate their game to another level, but are you going to be able to uh, really, you know, be the truck driver for your team when you need to be? That's what I'm curious to see. Who's going to step up in, into that role outside of London, who obviously we all we all know is going to have to be more aggressive. But I kind of agree with you, Charlie. I I'm tempering expectations a little bit on the freshmen. Uh, everybody that that's all anybody that wants to talk to me about that's a Virginia fan or, or wants to ask me questions about on Twitter or whatever else. Uh, I really want to see the existing players that we know are, are good quality ACC players that they need to take a step forward and really take some of the pressure off of the rest of their teammates off of the freshmen. And like Daniel said, Kyle guy can just sit there and, and knock down open shots and, Diakite can be that that uh, you know athletic four guy that covers the Akil Mitchell type square footage on the floor and really is disruptive and they, they can they can play their little roles but we're gonna need the uh, we're gonna need the veterans to really make a, a, a serious statement and I expect they will because Tony Bennett's teams have done that every year. Has anyone looked at how much scoring we're gonna have to replace next year? I know it's significant. I mean that that's obviously the biggest area where I think we're we're gonna have fifty eight fifty eight percent. Fifty-eight percent. All right. Um, I I thought it may actually be worse between Ag and Malcolm. So and, add, and then you add in Austin Nichols, which is like a thirteen and a half a game. That's that helps. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nichols. 
he scores. I mean, don't don't he he's not just a defensive stopper, and he doesn't have he doesn't have a whole lot of range on his jump shot. But he actually will shoot that little mid range shot more than Anthony did, and he kind of will will you know use his body and be physical and try to get to the line sort of in the same way that that Anthony did. I, I think it's going to be tremendously beneficial for us to have a couple of those true shot blockers inside. And you know, Anthony struggled against true ACC five men. Uh, Austin's a little bit taller than him, not not quite as wide of a body, but a lot more okay. instinctual. And a little uh, bit springier. Yeah, definitely. Mike, you were talking about who's going to take Malcolm's uh, mantle as, as that guy, and I, I'm going to put put my vote in for the hard hedge favorite, Devin Hall. I, I think he's one of those guys that has shown a willingness to be the guy an ability to, to be the guy sometimes, um, you know, more often than not when he tries. Hey, I think he's the one that could really prove to be, you know, our, our next kind of breakout player. He's my, my early choice. Yeah, I love I love Devin Hall's attitude. Like, it, it, it's really hard to describe, but you just, like, watch him play. And it's, he definitely has something in there that it's, it's like a combination of, of, like, aggression and confidence and like a little bit of swagger too, and he also has like a short memory, which is good. I, I don't know. I think I mean he obviously needs to improve in some areas, but he he like has some stuff he can't really like some of the intangibles that are like in his head that that really he could that could let him be that that kind of a guy. And obviously he's not going to be like Malcolm Brogdon, but in terms of someone who's okay with dealing with that moment or whatever um and sort of when everything is going crazy i think i don't know i think this could be a big sort of maturation step for him where everything sort of comes together and he becomes a real leader on this team and i'm really excited for him because i mean obviously mike and i have been talking about him for years and i was very happy with with how he played this season and really earned a starting role and really earned tony bennett's trust which i think was the biggest thing that we had <laughs> Sort of been complaining about in the past, and whether whether or not Tony really trusted him. Um, I think now that he has that trust, and now that he's going to be a returning starter, even though I mean he's going to have he's going to have to earn that that starting job, all, basically all of them scratch given given the competition. But I think he'll he'll be sort of a man on a mission, and he'll want to prove that um, that he's going to be like a big breakout type guy for us. Well, I think I think Devin too has done a good job earning the trust of his teammates this past year. I mean, we saw them look for him for shots down the stretch of a couple of games, and I'm with you guys and kind of fill a little bit of Malcolm's role next season. But I think on the offensive side, my I think that's actually going to be more of Mariel Shayok's role, and I kind of I could see Devin almost becoming perhaps becoming the guy who. Who steps into Malcolm's spot, defending the opponent's best wing player? I think Devin grew a ton on defense over the second half of this season. Like just checking guys, being more faithful to his being in position, and I think we're going to really rely on him as a stopper next season. Yeah, his defense like really came along. It definitely did. I was tremendously proud of that. I I thought that he. just mentally, he, he was so engaged in the game, and he, he needs to work on his finishing a little bit. He's got to get the shooting percentages up, uh, but he just mentally, he's in the right place. He's got a great attitude, uh, and I, I'm, I'm just, you know, as like a 
like a you know proud uncle. You know, I I, I was just so happy to see him earn that starting job. Like Daniel said, I think I'm going to give my go-to guy or, or the guy that I, I think is going to step up in big moments or kind of be the aggressor when we need offensive help. I'm going to go with Shayok, Mario Shayok. Look, I, I put on the film from the Charleston tournament, uh, which he was quite possibly the M- MVP of the whole team for that tournament. I think people don't realize how much that wrist injury nagged and affected him through the uh, majority of that ACC schedule. And uh, his, his ball handling got really suspect there for a while. And I don't think that that was, I don't think he's a terrible ball handler. His free throw shooting was awful all year. I don't think he's a bad free throw shooter. I think that that Shayok kind of felt like himself again in the NCAA tournament. You saw him being aggressive. You saw him hit a couple huge shots, uh, especially against Butler. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that is never afraid of the moment. Maybe shoots a little a little too aggressively at times, but you know that's okay as long as it's a decent look. Uh, I, I think Shayok and I love Devin. I, I think Devin is going to have a, a, a huge role on, on on doing so many different things and and being a catalyst for the offense. Um, but I think that that Shayok could be the guy that takes the biggest leap from a points per game perspective. If I had to give my breakout player of the year uh, vote right now, that that that's where I would go with it. Phony, phony brought it up, and I think it's a good point. No, I think that's the biggest thing is is that it, that's something that's exciting is that sort of trio of backcourt guys that we return. Um, and the, the coolest thing about all that was really all three of them stepped up towards the end of the year and, and sort of finished on, on sort of a high note, whether it was... Uh, I'm, Forgetting which specific games each guy stepped up, and I know obviously Darius played really well against Syracuse. And Darius, Darius hit his last five threes of the season. Oh my god, he's the weirdest player. Like I swear to God, he, you like as soon as you you have him figured out, he, you don't. Like, he just changed. He just flips the script, and yeah. I mean, I, I was I was completely ready to write him off, and. Uh, yeah, and then he just finishes the season so strong and looks great against Syracuse. And I don't know, he's he'll, he'll be competing for one of those those spots as well. But I mean, those three guys, all of them played a big role for us at some point in the season, and all of them sort of finished on a high note. And so that's that's pretty exciting. It's not as if we're talking about guys who oh they looked good against against. Well, I was going to say Hampton, but we played, obviously, we played them in the postseason, but I was thinking more of just, like, non-conference opponents like Morgan State or somebody like that. It's one thing to look good against those guys, but we have, I mean, the, all those guys throughout the season had their moments. Uh, in non-conference play against, like, Villanova, Darius was very good. And obviously, throughout the season, um, Mariel had moments definitely more towards the end of the year, and then Devin finished strong was sort of a consistent factor throughout ACC play. So I think, um, like I said before, like those guys are in a position to take that leap. And so um, while we're losing a lot in terms of scoring and experience and things like that, like I'm very grateful to be, to be bringing those three guys back to go along with one of the better point guards and um, most explosive, I think, offensive weapons in the country. So. Um, yeah, I think the backcourt. 
the backcourt's exciting, and then like in the front court, you've got Austin Nichols, Mamani Diakite, Isaiah Wolk. Like, there's just so many options on this team. It's, it's gonna be fun. How good do you guys think London Perantis is gonna be in his senior year, Tony? Man, that's tough to it's it's tough to say because. Yeah, I swear, like, he forgets he can shoot sometimes, or, or I don't know if the rest of the offense forgets. I mean, he's shown such a capability to be an offensive force for us, something that I, I never would have expected after his second year. And then he just kind of disappears for a few games, and it's not even that he's not hitting his shots. He's just not taking the shots, and sometimes even in in some games where he had a really high shooting percentage on, like, four shots. And it's it, so... I'm not sure. I think more is going to be thrust upon him next year, and I think he has the abilities to um, rise to that challenge. So we can definitely expect more from him. I don't know if I'm expecting a giant jump, but certainly, I mean, if if he can average what somewhere close to uh, you know thirteen, fourteen a game. What, what did he average this year? Anybody have that? Eleven. So yeah, I mean, take it up to thirteen, fourteen. I I think that's um, that's probably like likely you know whether or not he can do more than that is really a question mark for me i'm very very high on london for next year i think a lot of his fade outs this year were just because he was i feel like he was deferring to the seniors pretty consistently because he knew a lot of the time that our our success in our offense was going to be based around getting brogdon and gill involved and i feel like sometimes he was content to just fade into the background and try to set up the show i think there's a lot more to his game offensively maybe than we've even seen on display on a regular basis and i think he's got the savvy to know that it's going to be on him next year it wouldn't surprise i don't think he's going to hit half of his threes again because i think the focus is going to be so much more on him but i think we're going to see more of his his in-between game his kind of his i don't know his his funk his funk in the lane and i think it wouldn't surprise me if he scores i don't know 15 16 next year and I've been saying this for a while, beating this drum. I think he's going to be our leading scorer. I think we're going to see kind of London Parentes unleashed next season. And I think it's, I don't know, it's going to be fun to watch his evolution kind of conclude. Just like he did his senior year in high school. And he really took over his team his senior year. They were better for it. He, he, uh, he lived in the free throw line area. He was, he was pulling up. He, he got to the rim. He shot a bazillion free throws his senior year. And it was the same type, I swear his college career is like perfectly emulated his high school career uh, from year to year, kind of how his, the progression has, from a scoring standpoint. Yeah, he's he's going to be benefit from being off ball, too, the, the whole season. I mean, that was obviously a late development, but, uh, you know, put with, with Devin, I mean, I, I think we could expect Devin to be on the ball on offense. Uh, you can consistently get him more opportunities. Yeah, but I think he's going to have just a, a, a huge year. and. Uh, I he, he's going to go down as one of my, my all-time favorites. I've just had such uh, – I, I just love his game. I, I love his demeanor. I love his uh, – I, I think defensively, I think no one talked about London defensively last year where he – I mean, when he came into the program, I anybody that was athletic to any degree could, could whisper and get by him. And he is learning – he has learned how to move, move his feet. He's gotten stronger. He, you can't move him. He, he beat you to the spot. Um, I didn't think, I'll be quite honest, I didn't think he was going to be as good of a defensive player as he was last year at any point. You know, I thought that was always going to be like a, a kind of a weakness, you know, not, not a liability per se, but just, just a, a weakness in his game. And I thought that 
he elevated that throughout the year um, significantly. So I, I can't wait to see his senior year. And let's talk a little bit about the front court guys. Like, uh, what what is the role of guys like Jack Salt and Jared Reuter going to be next year? And uh, Charlie, I'll start with you on that one. Jack started a bunch of games and, and a really bizarre uh, usage of <laughs> he would start and then not play and then start and then not play. And then Reuter, you know, always gave good energy and good minutes when he came in there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I touched on this in a post I wrote a little bit, but I never really was able to wrap my head around how we use Jack Salt this year because, I mean, even when he did, I feel like it was almost a ploy to further motivate Mike Toby or get him in the game at the right time. Just kind of keep his seat warm because when he was out there, he didn't really... I mean, in fairness to him, he'd never played at this level before and wasn't ready to be on the court. So even the things he was good at, he wasn't comfortable enough to do. It just it was a weird usage of a player. And so, I mean, big guys take a little bit longer to develop than guards do. And I'm not really even that. I'm not that hopeful that Jack is going to advance that considerably even next season. But I saw a lot I liked switching over to Reuter. I liked, I mean, was it was it Syracuse the first game? No, it was Cal where he came in and powered our offense for a oh five minute stretch. Sorry, we had, we had nothing outside of him initially against. Cal. Yeah, he came in and just powered the offense for a long stretch. And he, I mean, just the way there are a lot of little nuances to his game that I like. I don't expect to see out of a guy for a couple of years, like the way like how low he gets, like putting dropping his hips somebody on a box out and his footwork like catching the ball around the free throw line or catching the ball on the block. Like I feel like he knows the game and while athleticism, like he's no one is, he's always going to be kind of ground bound. I'm kind of high on him as a rotation guy next season, like a guy that can come in, give us minutes and backing up either big man spot. Like maybe while we wait for Mamadi to get comfortable or like, I don't know. He's a guy I feel like we can put in there and expect good things to good things to happen or at least the level to be us to stay on the level we were in before he came in. Yeah, I think um, we were sort of limited last year in terms of like how we could use guys like uh, Reuter and Salt and Salt to a lesser degree. I think I, I think it's really hard for us to get a sense of sort of where he fits in next season. I think he still could be a guy that give him a couple of years in the system to really get comfortable. And I think he could be sort of a, a nice presence down low. Cause I mean, it's, he's such a like big body. And if he, if he learns to, to really find his role and, and figure out what he can do well and be consistent in that, I think when you combine that with just like raw physical ability, then, then I think, I'm not trying to like write him off or anything, but I think it, it may take some more time with him. Reuter, like Charlie, Charlie said, definitely has some some skills where he can contribute now. And I think it was tough last year because it, it was like, okay, who do we play him with? Because obviously, like, if, if Reuter was 6'10", I mean, he'd be like a one-and-done type guy. Like he, like... He, that's why he was so highly recruited early on, is because everyone was expecting him to be like a 6'10", 6'11", Tyler Hansborough, Mitch McGarry type player. Um, 
but obviously he didn't quite grow, but he still has this, this really nice skill set, and he's a very smart player. And, um, but I mean, the problem was, like, do you play him with Anthony Gill? Do you play him with Mike Toby? Do you play him with Jack Salt? It was like there was no really good guy to pair him with um, that would work out both offensively and defensively. So that kind of prevented him from really being able to break out. Whereas I think this, this season we just have so, like such a collection of guys and this season and going forward that we'll be able to find a better lineup to, to fit him into to really sort of exploit his, his talent and skills that he does have. And it's, I think it's clear when you sort of read between the lines of how the staff has talked about him, they like him a lot and they, they see him as a contributor going forward. It's really easy to forget about a guy like him when you have, uh, when you have Austin Nichols coming in and Mami Diakite redshirting and Isaiah Wilkins coming back and, and all these other guys. But, um, I, I think he will be a piece. It's really hard to put put a finger on exactly what that entails, but he's got he's got skill. He's a smart player, and he's um, he's going to have some sort of a role. And I mean, even like just this past week or so, when when Tony was sort of wrapping up the Syracuse game, one of the things he he mentioned was like sort of what was going through his head afterwards about what he he might have done differently. And like one of the first things he said was, "Oh, should I have played guys like Jared Reuter or something?" So that was something that was Really, th- those are the type of things I'm talking about, in, in that, like the staff is, is expecting him to contribute. So, um, I think as fans, we, we might start expecting that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I obviously like a low usage player, but he's impressed me in, in a number of different occasions. So it's it's exciting to see what we can do when you when you pair him with like a a Diakite or a bigger sh- uh, shot blocker like Nichols that could kind of like make up for some something we might give up defensively. Although, uh, another thing I'll point out is I, I was actually impressed with his defense this year. Um, for, for a guy that's limited physically, like Reuter is against some of the guys he's going up against, he was pretty solid defensively at times. <laughs> so, solid uh, solid is the word for a guy that's like 265. <laughs> like, I mean, he's yeah. not, while he's not fast, he's very, like, he's cut in a way a lot of freshmen aren't and wasn't it like he didn't yield any ground against anybody that was really impressive to man me. If, if if you could like clone if you could just like bring jack salt and jared order together and give like jack jared size but like also have the or, uh, other way around if you give jared jack size but also have like jared skill man you'd have a hell you'd have a hell of a big man <laughs> as long as jared gets to keep his coordination yeah <laughs> Well, let's let's go ahead and dive into the uh, our starting fives, and maybe maybe we can each give a little uh, uh, side note on on maybe our our next three that are going to have a dramatic impact from a rotation standpoint. I think it's awfully hard to obviously at this point determine, especially coming off the bench, who's going to be getting the most minutes. But we can throw some early opinions out there on on uh, what the rotation is going to look like. And we'll just start with Phony and kind of run through everybody. I think our our starting lineups might be pretty similar, but it uh, might be interesting to, to hear uh, uh, the rest of the kind of rotation there. Why don't, why don't you yeah. start us off? Yeah, okay. I, you know, and I, I think you're probably right. We probably all have the same starting five, and it's a very safe starting five at this point. So you've got uh, London, Devin, uh, Mario, I, I think is really at, at that spot the choice. From the returners is going to be between Mario and Darius, so uh, probably Mario, Isaiah, and Austin Nichols. He's the one. He's already got two years of 
college experience. So it's not like he's new to the game or anything. So I think that's probably our starting five coming off the bench. Then of course, Darius, I I think Kyle guy is going to get some minutes. And the next one is Diakite and and Diakite, as I said earlier, I'm just not sure what to expect from him. And, And I think UVA fans might, might have higher expectations, at least not recognize how long he's been playing the game and, and he might need a little bit more time to adapt. I think he is going to be an incredible player, whether that happens next year or not remains to be seen. And then Hunter comes in, he seems pretty ready for the game. And I, I don't know how he's doing on size and you know what he's going to be able to do over the summer, but uh, he's a guy that can certainly press for minutes on the wing. And I'd love to see him because he he's pretty dynamic. And, and if we can't have that consistent Darius, then he's a real good option there. Boney? I mean, I'm sorry, Daniel? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I've posted this before, but I, I, I really expect, um, I don't know, I just I have the same lineup. I would just switch in Kyle Guy and, and put him as a starter. And it's less so about, like, Guy beating out Mariel or, or anything like that, and more just, I think, we'll need a certain dynamic and, I think it'll make London better and it, in his role as, as sort of being the go-to scorer and everything to have a, another just like dead-eye shooter next to him. Um, for, I don't know. Obviously, guys like Mariella, he'll play a lot and he might even play like starter minutes even if he doesn't start. But um, I, like the, I, I like the way the lineup of London, Kyle, Devin, Isaiah, and, and Austin looks. Um, I think Kyle just in that role is just tell him to go out and, and when you get an open shot, just knock it down. Like that's that's what he does best. And uh, a lot of people say like defensively that might be a concern or anything, but I'm not as concerned about our our perimeter defense. I think it's our, our post defense has the potential to be so good that um, and in our system that's that's more of the focus anyways. Um, and he's a smart player and he's been following our system for years so i think he'll be able to be at least passable on on defense but i think just having i mean he's he's a mcdonald's all-american for a reason and no that's not the reason he'll start or that i think he'll start but um just just having someone dynamic like like him uh i just think it makes a lot of sense and and can can really help make the the rest of the lineup work um and also i mean Position-wise and lineup-wise, De- while Devin and, and Marielle are very different players, I, I, I just like I, I, I like really just sort of mixing um, that up more as, as Marielle's, and both of them have sort of, at least last year, played sort of a three-spot, and while Devin also obviously has some, some lead guard abilities, um, I don't know, I mean... That that's so I, I don't know I just think I think Kyle Guy will will ultimately have uh, a chance to start and but again like there are so many different options with this lineup you could basically pick a, from a good like eight or almost nine guys and have a legitimate case. Charlie, my starting lineup is the same as Phonies, and then I think I think Kyle will see probably will see starters minutes off the bench just to mix things up with the other uh, those other three starting wings that we had mentioned. I think, I mean, there's, there's going to be a place for Darius. That's seven guys. I see Jared Reuter playing 
getting make an impact as a backup big. And then I think, I mean, I think DeAndre Hunter gives us a little bit of explosion and maybe even a potential to play both three and depending on what Mike Curtis can do with him by the time the season starts, maybe moonlighting a little bit as a four kind of in the way that Justin Anderson and even Joe Harris were against smaller teams kind of in a dimension like giving us a dimension that we haven't seen in a little bit. I'm being really, really cautious about Diakite because he just hasn't been playing for that long. He might not be 200 pounds yet. And it just, I hope I eat every single one of these words regarding next year. Like I hope he comes out and is a regular contributor from day one, but I feel like it just might be a little bit for him. Like it might be the 2017, 2018 season before we really see him start to take off. We'll see. Hey, can I, can I mention, I left Reuter out of my, uh, uh, Jeff chart and I don't know that I could take anybody out, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's going to get some serious, yeah, well, serious minutes, maybe 10 minutes a game. And he, he's a guy that seems to play really smart. He, he moves well and gives so much effort. Um, you know, I think he, you've got to give him minutes. Um, trivia fact, and I, I want to make sure I throw this out there. A lot of UVA fans don't know that he was a, uh, two-time BMX world champion, uh, when he was a young boy and five-time or six-time national champion, they called him Jared the Giant Reuter. Um, folks, don't don't know. I, I don't know if he still does that or not. But uh, interesting. I'm glad we, got, uh, glad we got a national championship pedigree in the locker room, anyway. Yep, He's absolutely. Been... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the same five guys. I, I'm Perantis, Hall, Shayok, Wilkins, Nichols. At this point, I think it's I think it's the 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 strongest, toughest five uh, guys that have the good balance of uh, experience and, um, you know, just uh, uh, the group that I think kind of plays the, the, the Tony Bennett style of basketball. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, Kyle Guy is going to have to, he's going to have to defend his tail off. He's going to have to... I, I think this is going to be a little bit more of a step up for Kyle than some people think. And look, let, I want to start this by saying that the guy may go down. At, he might be my favorite recruit in the history of Virginia basketball. Like I, that his mentality, the way he plays with an edge, and the, the way he, uh, you know, thrives on people hating on him and his aggressiveness, and the way that he gets his teammates up, the way he is in the huddle, all of those things. I love him. But I, I just that's why he's a starter. McDonald's All American <laughs> tag or not, I, I still think that from the tape that I, I watch, I, I think he's gonna have a, a little bit of a time adjusting to this to this level. And uh, I think I think Charlie said it perfectly. I think DeAndre Hunter actually gives a level of versatility that that Kyle just doesn't have, and he can play multiple positions. He can guard multiple positions. Um, you know. This my bold prediction that I don't think most people are going to agree with, and Daniel definitely doesn't, is that DeAndre Hunter plays more minutes next season than Kyle Guy, uh, and I think Kyle can have a tremendous role uh, shooting the basketball, scoring, being an aggressive guy that we're going to need at times. Uh, I think, and uh, I think he's going to have an outstanding career and a good season. But I, at this point, and maybe I'll change this as the summer goes on, and I start hearing more and more. Uh, but that's that's my bold prediction on on the minutes, and I think obviously Thompson, Reuter, um, 
you know, uh, Diakite, I, I think, can do a lot of things for us that he just isn't going to be a great scorer at, at this point. I think he's he is a natural shot blocker. Uh, I've heard players say that they hate going against him in practice already. I think he can be good on the boards. I think he can. Uh, I think he can be a, that defensive foreman that is more like the Darian Atkins and the Akil Mitchell that that I thought was our best. The guy that can come out there and and hedge, you know, way out past the three point line, recover extremely quickly with those unbelievable strides that he has. Uh, springy guy, like I, you know, I don't think he's gonna play a whole ton but I think he can do things to help us next year. Um, you know, but it's, it, it's all going to depend to me again on the development of, I think Hall and Shayok, uh, the development of those two guys, you can include Thompson in there. London is not going to be able to do it himself. He's not going to be able to do it himself when he is the emphasis, uh, you know, when he's the returning um, leading three point shooter in all of college basketball. Um, he, he's going to need some, He's going to need some help, and I think that our, our veterans are going to have to elevate their game and, and take it to another level. Do you guys want to give any, you know, we're going to go through all of this um, uh, at the beginning in our preseason podcast uh, next fall, but let's let's go ahead and, and, and kind of relive our picks from this year real quick. And, Phony, I know you got it in front of you, so why don't you run through them and kind of see how we did. All right. Uh... Of course, we we talked about this. The only one that had the opening starting lineup right was me, but that's uh, that that changed very quickly as we all knew that it would. Uh, and you're you're the coach. You have some say in that. <laughs> right. Yeah, the breakout player was real interesting because it, there's there's a couple options now. But Mike and Charlie both had Mike Toby. He, I don't think um, they got that right. I had Isaiah Wilkins. He ended up being a starter, very consistent guy. So uh, certainly a good case can be made for him. But Daniel had uh, London, and London showed a, a whole new aspect to his game this year. So who do you guys give that to real quick? Oh, I don't know. That's a toss-up. Toss-up, fair enough. Newcomer of the year, three of us had Darius, and Mike had Jack Salt, and said Jack's going to play more minutes than anyone thinks. Well, Jack started a number of games. so That was um, more minutes than I than I thought. <laughs> right, even even at the time it seemed curious. So we'll, we'll give yeah, Mike... Yeah, I was basing that off of a lot of preseason chatter from from folks inside the program is interesting. The, the whole salt, salt dy- dynamic just is just a fascinating one, but we, we already touched on that. Sixth man of the year. Two of us had Isaiah, two of us had Mario. I think a good case can be made either way. They, they both ended up uh, becoming starters, right? Was it- both started. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah started most of our games. So by that, I mean, by NBA rules, he wouldn't qualify for this. Right. He wouldn't be eligible. He was too good as a sixth man. He became a fifth man. And so, so I guess the, the ones that said Mario, which would be me and Charlie, said Mario. So, so you were arguing for yourself there, Charlie. I know not a lot. I didn't get exact records from everyone. I predicted a twenty-five and five regular season record. We were twenty-four and six. Me and Daniel, we both projected elite eight finish. Mike and Charlie said better than we've done before, which would make that an elite eight finish. So I, I think we all get a check mark in that category. Mike talked about the four guard lineup a lot. That was very successful for us. Just trying to look at other highlights here. Charlie. I mean, a highlight, a highlight for me, sorry, Phony, is seeing Devin Hall with a question mark on the notes you took that you texted to us, and then just seeing a check mark for all four of us. That's... Right. <laughs> and and I think Charlie, I actually wrote next to yours. Um, he might start or something. I can't remember what I wrote. I 
I don't, uh, I cut it off in the picture I took, but, but yeah, he's, he's been such a favorite and, uh, it, it was very fulfilling to see him succeed this year. Uh, so, so I think that's, that's it overall. I, th- I think we did really well. Our expectations weren't ridiculous. Uh, we folks said, uh, it was either going to be Oscar Carolina winning the regular season. Uh, we know how that ended up, but uh, the 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 season went about like we expected, I think. And uh, preseason, we would be very happy with with what we predicted. And I think, uh, in retrospect, we should be very happy with what they did. And and the future just keeps getting brighter. Yeah, I was gonna let everybody. You kind of started us off there. I was gonna let everybody kind of put a bow on 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 last season and and uh, just what you're you know excited about real quickly for next year. And we're gonna you know we'll be with you all off season we've got some former players and everything that, that wants to that want to uh record with us and, and we should have some good coverage but things are going to cool off for for a little while so let's give everybody a, a few thoughts uh to close on we'll start with you daniel yeah i mean it was uh i think sort of time i mean you said like putting a bow on it um going back to that to the preseason podcast i remember i was i said and caught a little flack for saying it that uh i was almost more excited for the 2016-2017 team than the 15-16 team just because of all of the fresh faces and level of talent that we were bringing into the program. And um, and I'm, I, I still am very excited about that team. But, man, I really ended up liking this past year's team a lot. And it's, it's really disappointing to sort of think about everything because really towards the end of the year... Um, I really thought I thought they were going to get it done, and uh, but just really the way they came together, and um, there was there was definitely another element of that team that was just really, it's really made me proud to to follow them. And I mean, each team is each team has been like that in in a different way. So I think that's something that we can continue to look forward to each year. Is that really each team will always make us proud, and will always be fun to watch, and. I don't know. That's 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 why we follow and, and whatnot. But um, while it's it's disappointing how it how it ended, we got another team to to root on and cheer for next year, which will be a lot of fun. So definitely looking forward to it. Charlie, um, I think really just putting it, looking at it from a wide perspective, I think like the in-game ups and downs are what a lot of people see and a lot of people think about. But just I'm thankful that I had a chance to root for Malcolm Brogdon, Anthony Gill, Evan Nolte, Mike Toby for the time that they were here. Like, I don't know that I've ever had as much fun, like rooting for a particular class, a particular group of guys during their tenure with a team or organization. And I mean, sports obviously mean a lot to me. And so just getting to spend my free time rooting for guys that were both good representatives of the university great basketball players and guys that elevated this program. Like they took the next step for Tony Bennett and set it up for this next class to hopefully do something better. I'm, I mean, I'm thankful for everything they did and like, I'm grateful that I got to watch it as much as I did. And as for as long as I did, I don't know. It's, they, they leave like, they leave a legacy behind that. I hope we can continue and carry forward. Well, well said buddy. And I, you know, I, I'll be honest, the, the loss hurt, you know, the loss hurt. I, I remember waking up, uh, I had big plans for Houston. You know, I, I remember waking up on uh, that Saturday and like for a a, a split moment, I, I forgot that it was 
you know, the day that the game was supposed to be. And then when it hit me, man, I was in the, I was in the shower and I was like, man, like I just, I, I, I just, you know, it, it really hit me for a long time that day. And, and I know that that team had, had come together and did so many amazing things late in the year that I thought that I thought something very special was, was upon us. But look, it was special. I mean, we, it was another unbelievable year. And for any time that, that I'm uh, upset about a loss in the elite eight, I immediately think back to the not too distant past when I was embarrassed, you know, to, to put on my UVA gear because our, our basketball team was so atrocious and that watching them simply inbound the basketball was an absolute nightmare. I'm so proud, uh, to, um, you know, put my heart and soul into this program because of the product that's on the court and anything is going to happen in a one game environment. These regular seasons do mean something. They mean a lot. They mean that this program is a winner and it is a winner through and through, and it is going to be a winner again next season. And I'm not sure how the year is going to go. I'm not sure if we're going to be better. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with Charlie on that one. I'm, I'm, you know, I got to wait and see before I I believe that that team is going to be better than than last year's. But I know this. We're going to be good. We're going to play our asses off. We're going to play hard. We're going to defend. We're going to have amazing kids. We're going to have an amazing coaching staff. And and, uh, there certainly will never be a moment of hesitation uh, for putting my Virginia gear on. I'm awfully proud of this program. uh, And they're just a tremendous Tremendous group of, uh, of young men and adults. And, and, and on that, um, I guess we'll go ahead and sign off unless there's anything else you wanted to throw in real quick, Phony. No, man. I mean, just what, what all you guys said, this was such an easy group to cheer for. They carry themselves well. They play hard. They never did anything to embarrass the, the program or the school. So hey, I don't know what the, the future personalities, the guys they're bringing in, hey, I hope they're as uh, fun to cheer for as these guys were, uh, win or lose. But the the class that's going out, they, they turned excellence into the ordinary, and they, they really left their mark. So we're, we're proud of them, but we're excited at what's next. Also, before we sign off, I want to give a big shout-out to the uh, who's that are in the NBA playoffs right now. My Twitter feed is blowing up. Apparently, Justin Anderson is going nuts. Um, you know, I, I can tell you how much pride I get watching him play and uh, uh, watching the – the Dallas Maverick fans who are just being introduced to Simba, uh, their reactions to the plays that we all we all knew and love over his career at Virginia. It's it's just magical. I love that we have players that are um, you know going to that level, and we wish you nothing but but the best, Simba. We hope you uh, have so, a great series. Friend of the, friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast, Harrison. <laughs> yeah, he was actually going to come on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we couldn't get the schedules uh, straight. He was trying to make time. He was on the road in Portland, and uh, he, he was more than willing, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him back on one of these days. We'll definitely, we'll if definitely comes get him on. If he comes on and gets that with him, that means I'm one degree away from dunking on Kevin Durant myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, for another edition of the Hard Hedge, thank you guys all for joining us. For the rest of the crew, we look forward to uh, uh, having you with us uh, for some of the off-season podcasts, and We hope you have a great off season. Uh, We'll keep the content coming for you. Wahoo wah.